0: And welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. You're here with me, Samrin, and Marcus today. So, Marcus, how's your day going? How's life treating you? How are you dealing with the big news coming out of Bayern this week?
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, thank you, Samrin, for the introduction. Uh, doing good. Um, have had a few days to uh, melt what arguably was for me the most surprised I've ever been at a uh, manager firing situation at Bayern Munich. Um, it took me like most people, I think, uh, very by surprise. Um, and yeah, ready to talk about it. Ready to share my feelings. Um, yeah, <laughs> rainy afternoon where I am, so can't think of a better day to to do a podcast.
0: You know that's that's perfect. It was raining here yesterday, and it's bright and sunny here today, but. Well, I missed the rain. So speaking of rain and snow and skiing, uh, Julian Nagelsmann was sacked, as we know, this week. And um, he found out from the media before he did from Bayern while he was on a skiing trip. There were question marks on why he was exactly on a skiing trip while his players were still st- training over at Strasse. Um, So there are so many questions we can ask about this, Marcus. But let me ask you. What have you thought about Nagelsmann's general attitude toward the Bayern job since he started?
1: I think, well, you know, without trying to pull any conclusions when I'm not behind the scenes whatsoever, I read uh, the newspapers you read, Samreen. Um, But in my impression, Bayern Munich was Nagelsmann's dream job. Uh, He's from around Munich. He's been a supporter from very early uh, age. So I, I can't think that he did not take it, you know, with the most serious level that is possible. Um, I think, yes, he is a bit flashy, so to say. Like, I do not approve of his fashion uh, sense, but then again, I have no fashion sense, so I can't really comment on that. Um, but I think, yeah, because he is so young, because he is kind of like um a modern coach, maybe uh, some people think that he hasn't taken the job, you know, with the the seriousness that it deserves. But I think, I think he has, you know, he he brought on his own flair to the job. And I think I shouldn't really judge that, so to say. What, what do you think?
0: <laughs> you know, for me, I didn't have, I didn't think commitment to the job was necessarily a problem, especially because he was a boyhood fan and he's from Bavaria. What I thought was a problem was how much how assertive he wanted to be in an environment that hasn't even allowed the greatest of coaches to be so assertive. From the beginning, we heard about him wanting to bring his own staff in. There was an issue with keeping Kathleen Kluger on the team as the mm-hmm. team manager. Uh, she stayed because everyone at Bayern loves her and wanted to stay, but he had wanted to bring his own guy in. Then the Topalovich sacking in January when Neuer uh, had the skiing accident was another move by, it, it. I can't say again, I also don't know what happens behind the scenes, that this was a Nagasman-driven move. But it did catch everyone by surprise. There's no secret that there were tensions between him and Robert Lewandowski, although Lewandowski is a character of his own. So uh, that might have eventually led to Lewandowski almost forcing himself out of the club. He was going to be out of contract pretty soon, but still. So that's where I thought the problems started. But I also want to ask you about what you thought about his tactical changes and what you thought about the general consistency of the team under him, Marcus. Do you think Bayern moved forward as a team under Nagelsmann or do you think we took a step back or stayed the same as we had been under Flick before him?
1: Yeah, good question. Um, I think with these situations, to first answer uh, your very good points, Samrin, uh, with Lewandowski, where I think no one really knows exactly what happened. Apparently, there was there's been rumors that he fell out with Nagasman. That's not great, yes, because it is their best, Bayern Munich's best player at that moment um, when that happened. Um, I think in terms of tactics, I thought I thought Nagisman joined at a interesting moment in Bayern Munich Um, I think it was I thought it was clear that Bayern were were on a path of kind of remaking the team uh, in in terms of you know players becoming a bit older Um, there was like a generation shift I I felt and when he was appointed and he you know you spent 25 million on a coach I think it's fair to explain to expect some certain you know uh, ideas that are you know not part of bayern munich uh, like that came from nagelsmann um i think it's fair to for him to wanting his best staff available the the uh, the personnel he thinks can fulfill his vision uh, however tactics wise i think i think bayern played well i mean that's the The main thing why he was sacked, I'm quite surprised that because, yes, Leverkusen was strange uh, to change uh, three players in halftime when you're up 1-0. It doesn't happen every day. Um, But then again, I think Bayern, when they played against uh, Paris Saint-Germain, looked very mature. Uh, I think um, Nagelsmann was able to produce some type of defensive stability at Bayern Munich, uh, something I... Did not always see with Flick either. I thought Flick was a fantastic coach. Uh however the defensive stability at some times were lacking. Um and I, I think Nagisman, you know, with Delict and Ubecano becoming so so good together, was able to provide that defensive stability that's needed to win them to win the champ, uh Champions League. Um where I guess we're some fans, uh, like some editors here at Bavarian Football Works, uh, did not was not too happy with Nagasman. Was I guess the inconsistency, um, you know, the not having a a fixed lineup for a certain games. Um, but again, I cut him some slack there. There was a lot of injuries we had in the start of 2023, um, and I did not necessarily see the Bayern project under Nagasman decreasing heavily even though they have lost a few games in the league. Um, but no, I thought there was really no clear reason why he would be fired based on the pitch type of performances. I'm, I'm happy to to hear your thoughts as well, Samrin.
0: So, this is no secret that I'm no fan of Nadal's This has never been a secret. But I think in terms of the defense... When you have Alaba and Boateng always kind of prone to errors and an uh, injury-prone Luca Hernandez versus Delecht and Upa-Mecano, who, by the way, cost a lot of money, I think the defense was always likely to improve. That being said, the first time that I trusted Nagelsmann to be able to go- do a good job was probably that PSG second leg. To hold out Mbappe and Messi for as long as Bayern did with virtually no scares except that first-half mistake by Jan Zomer. I actually started to have a bit more faith in him and then came Leverkusen where I almost felt he didn't put his best team out there. He underestimated Leverkusen a little bit. And look, that can happen. Leverkusen is not having the best of seasons, but they're starting to come up. And I think Leverkusen's squad demands respect from any opposition. Uh, that, That doesn't mean that I think Bayern would have won the game with that kind of a performance, even if they had their best 11 out on the pitch. But also the inconsistency bothered me not because of the results themselves, but because of the inconsistency in personnel. Now, I don't know how much truth there is to this, Marcus, because I probably read the same outlets that you do, but there was apparently tactical confusion on the pitch among the players. And that may have actually led to the substitutions in Leverkusen. So... Sometimes uh, there was a comment from, I think, Thomas, Mulder, I'm completely paraphrasing here from the second against PSG from the first half that the difference Bayern was much better in the second half than the first. And he said that was because they weren't sure when to press PSG in the first half. Mm. And that to me sounds like something the coach might have should have clarified before the game started. I think Nagelsmann a really good tactician. Because we saw many different things that he tried in his time at Bayern and some things came off really well. I think when you try too many things sometimes they don't work out well. It's the complete Mm. opposite of Flick who did one thing and it either worked or it didn't. Mm. But 99% of the time it worked. Mm. We had a leaky defense but we also knew how to score like 10 goals per game. So I'm surprised that Bayern didn't let him finish out the season. But ironically, what I think happened was the fear of Villarreal and Borussia Mönchengladbach from the previous season, the 5-0 defeat and the 1-1 draw that led Bayern to exit from the Pokal and the Champions League, caught up with Bayern.
2: Mm.
0: And the recent result against Augsburg, three goals conceded in that game, followed up by this result against Leverkusen, caused enough panic for Khan and Sajhomitch to say, we've seen enough, and we don't think this is going anywhere.
2: Hmm. And
0: also, honestly, I feel Sajhomitch is a bit on the line here too because Nagelsmann was his hiring, and if things went south, people would start talking about him as well. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, the, go ahead. It's ver-
1: yeah, it's very interesting with uh, what you say with. Because I think when uh, we both listened to uh, I Need No Names and uh, Schnitzel's live reaction uh, after the Nagisman sacking, and I, one thing that struck me was it's... Well, you know, with uh, I Need No Name, uh, clear, clearly not a big fan of Nagisman either, with, uh, with Schnitzel being uh, on the opposite. For me, it's... It, what struck me when listening to that is it's just two way of thinking in terms of what would what will bring success to Bayern Munich. Um, is it the kind of short term, you know, mentality where you judge? I think every single game, you know, like Bayern is always expected to win every single game, or do you have a mentality that is more towards thinking that a coach should have two or three years? um to come up with his own ideas to, to test the waters of what works and what doesn't um in order you know to have long-term success, right? Um I think I'm on the the ladder of that. I think I thought it was cool that Bayern did um take a gamble on Nagisman I, I would say after uh, the last flick because it was such a long-term type of um, feeling he got from the club. Uh, Nagisman is not the manager that's going to be only at Bayern for one or two years. He is a person that, that's young, ambitious and wants to kind of develop his own empire. Right? And I think with that, Nagisman, he had to try different things. Um, they were not all successful. But in the end of the day, I thought Bayern could win The treble under him still it was still was very much on the cards um so i feel it was i feel it was wrong to to fire him now um i think it's a bit unfair to also to tuchel (laughs) i the the way i see it if he doesn't win the treble the Bayern Munich board has made a, a bad gamble um i know that's harsh but i think the the what ifs will always be there, and I think Nagisman technically could have won the treble. He just never got the chance to to fulfill the second season. But with Tuchel now, it's it's a huge gamble. I think from the board from Sally um because if they if they don't win the Bundesliga, for example, it's it's not going to be viewed as a smart chess move from the from the new Bayern board.
0: Yep, and the last time that Bayern fired a manager this late. Correct me if I'm wrong, Marcus, was probably Jorgen Klinsmann,
2: mm. who
0: was fired in April with two months to go and Bayern um, risking Champions League qualification. And then I think it was Andreas Jonker who finished the season and Bayern yeah. won four out of five games and qualified. Yeah, But that was after Klinsmann, after the debacle against Barcelona, where he lost the first leg 4-0, second leg finished 1-1. And I think there was a big league loss as well. It was probably—I'm not sure if it was that season, five to the Bremen, but
1: yeah, there were
0: there were results there that led I to mean, it. Yeah,
1: that that whole Klinsmann era was—I mean, fantastic. If because yeah, it's a great comparison in the end. Because yes, you're right. It was around the same time uh, both Klinsmann and Nagasman got fired. But I think like the reality of of Bayern Munich under Klinsmann was. I mean, it was bad. It was, I think it was a time uh, people who were listening to this podcast and remember those times. I mean, Bayern Munich against Barcelona in the Champions League, 4 0. At,
0: at halftime. At
1: halftime. And it could have been 12 yeah. 0. I mean, they were so far apart from the, the world's best. And with Nagisman, we just, you know, kind of, yes, it was a, two tough games, but PSG didn't score a single goal. And PSG has, Messi and Mbappe on their team who scored what four or five World Cup f- finals goals. <laughs> um, I think yeah, I think that's there's a bit of a difference there. But um, and look, but look, if like Tuchel comes and he wins the Champions League under Bayern Munich um, now in this season, uh, of course that would be then the risk uh, is gambling off. And uh, I mean, I I talked before on, like, me liking that Bayern has kind of like a long-term vision to their uh, manager appointment, I also understand, like, there's no love lost at Bayern Munich. Uh, The the club is surrounded by winning every single game. And if the board thought that Tuchel gives that a greater chance, um, I think if it works out, it works out. And that's, you just leave uh, the cruelty of how Nagasman was fired in the past, if it's successful on the pitch now under Tuchel.
0: So let me ask you this, Marcus, what are your general thoughts on Thomas Tuchel's coaching career so far? What do you think of him as a manager? And do you think he's a good fit for Bayern, regardless of how this season plays out?
1: Um, Bayern's greatest opponent in the league came under Tuchel Stormont. That That team was really good. Um, I think uh, yes, of course, Klopp and Dortmund. That w- but that was like ten years ago now. Um, but yeah, 2016, Dortmund under Tuchel was a very very good team. Um, so I I, I do like Tuchel's. I, I think as a tactician, he's brilliant. I think he what he did what in Chelsea was really good. Um, he he could be a match made in heaven for this board because he is incredible. Th- I've heard from rumors that he is incredibly stuck in his own way. Um and that he, you know, he doesn't really listen to others. He gets in fights with most boards that he uh, he has managed under. Uh but maybe that's like the personality this board wants. Um I think like as a coach, I value Tuchel as one of the very best. Um, to be honest. But it will be interesting to see what's gonna happen you know, beyond the pitch, you know, behind the closed doors with uh with the board. Um because yes, Nagaman was a big ego as well, but I think Tuchel can match his ego easily. So it would be fun to see to see what happens both on the pitch and off.
0: Yeah. I think the one thing that Tuchel of course he I also think he's a brilliant tactician like you. I remember his minds team. And those guys were fun to watch. I think they were like finishing seventh, eighth, like sixth consistently around that time. They were really fun. Um, he made Adam Jolloy seem like a brilliant player. So, hey, I mean, Jolloy is good, but like not the level that Tuchel <laughs> made him seem like. So, um, on the board and Tuchel getting along, I almost think Tuchel will do a better job of that than Nagelsmann did, because now he's been at Chelsea, a club with massive dysfunction. We all know that he was there when the ownership changes were happening, um, Abramovich to Boli, and he's been at PSG, which we know is the biggest dumpster fire that there is in the club game. And he famously did not get along with Leonardo, mm. but they reached the Champions League final under him. Yes, they had the luck of the draw, you still have to get there. Man City sometimes has the luck of the draw and they don't get there.
1: Oh, there's been no coach who's been closer to winning the Champions League with the dumpster fire that is PSG than Tuchel, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. And uh, they made it to a final before City did. And City is considered to be the better prepared, the more well-equipped side of the two. So, and I also think Tuchel knows how to walk into an established club in a way that Nagelsmann did not. I think for Nagelsmann, it should have been probably Leipzig. Uh, it should, should probably have been Hoffenheim to Leipzig to maybe somewhere like, you know, Mainz, to a club that's established in a sense that it is a supporter-run club and not doesn't have a financial backer where Nagelsmann can quite do everything that he wants to do. Mm. And then maybe the step up to Bayern. I think there was almost a block missing where he comes to a team where his voice isn't as powerful as it yeah. was previously.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, that's something we've heard from so many other coaches who's been at Bayern Munich is that they are not the most powerful voice uh, you know, around Sebastian and in Munich. Um I think, well... I think for many coaches who have, you know, larger than life persona, I think that could be very tough, like a tough element to handle, uh, as you say. Um, yes, I think you are right that Tuchel is more experienced. He's been around, you know, the divas at PSG and uh, he's been around the dysfunctionality that's happening in Chelsea. Um, so he has more life experience in that sort of way. Yeah. Um, So, I I mean, I'll be very interested in in hearing what you have to say, Samrin, on how you think he will do at Bayern Munich. But take aside the sour taste I have in my mouth of how Nagisman was fired, I actually do think that Tuchel can do some really good stuff at Bayern. Um, I don't necessarily see it as a a long-term signing uh, of manager. Um, But I think I just have to swallow the pill that Bayern Munich is just not that club really. Um I wish they were. I wish the uh, Bayern had could fulfill the you know the long-term mentality they they saw uh, when they hired Julian Nagelsmann. But for now I think Tuchel knowing how great of a tactician he is um I do think that it could be a very good short-term decision.
0: I'm inclined to agree there. And also, if he actually makes it last two and a half years at Bayern, he'll be like the second longest coach in the past decade that the club has had.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, that would be that would actually be an achievement. Um, I think he can actually get more out of this team than Nagelsmann could, because I think he walks in with a sense of respect, of commanding respect that Nagelsmann didn't necessarily. There's mm-hmm. like, you know, the established guys, Noria Muller, who have been around for a long time by now, Kim and Goretzka, mm-hmm they know that here's a proven winner walking into the dressing room. And that pretty much automatically commands respect. So I also think if there was a guy who could keep Mbappe and Neymar happy together in the same team, Mm -hmm. that guy can deal with the Bayern dressing room. I think he will do well when it comes to personalities like Müller and Neuer and There's a reason why these guys have a massive say at the club that I feel like gets forgotten. Yes, like, you know, no player should be more important than the club, but these guys have been around for a generation. Muller's Champions League debut, I think, was under Klinsmann against Sporting Lisbon, two goals in the second, in the first or second leg. It's been a while. And these guys know the club like the back of their hand, and Tuchel would do well to almost rely on them mm. to get that experience, to, to get that understanding of how the club is run. And even if, you know, there, there will obviously be friction when Neuer comes back because Jan Zomer is doing well in goal. And I have a real soft spot for Jan Zomer. I'm glad back for so long. But I have hopes that he will get along with everyone. He's gotten... From what I understand, he's gotten Uli Honus's endorsement. That's massive. You need that to make it at Bayern. So it really depends also on how he gets along with Hasan Salihamidzic because Flick didn't really get along well with him yeah. and quit his job over it. Yeah. So... That's the one place where I'm a little scared that things might go south.
1: I I have two questions for you. Um, one, do you, well, judging by the reactions after Nagisman's firing, um, it was clear that many of the players, at least, did not have any clue that this was going to happen. Do you think that could be a bad thing for the season go- going forward? Um, you know, that's the players feel that there's no security on, like, who manages them. Um, and, like, that could be, yeah, a bad thing moving forward for, for Tuchel. And the second question I have, what's your faith in the Bayern board after the couple this tumultuous week? Do you still think that Salihamadzic and Khan are worthy, you know... Uh, people to take over the club after Uli and uh Hans or is the way that Nagisman's firing was handled is that something that worries you uh, moving forward?
0: You know Marcus I was thinking about this the next day and I thought imagine if I went away on vacation for a couple of days and every single time I was looking at my phone hoping that I didn't lose my job that would be a pretty horrible way to exist as an employee of <laughs> any company of any organization. So on a human, in a human level, that was a bad way to find out.
2: Yeah.
0: So, but I think players also, these guys have been lo- around at Bayern long enough to know that no manager lasts for a long time. Mm. Guardiola did the three years, but ever since Guardiola and these guys have all pretty much been in the team, like, come on, um, Muller, Noir, Neuer, Kimmich, I'm pretty sure Goretzka as well, since that era that Ancelotti came in, Yupankis, you know, filled in whenever he had to, Flick didn't last because of disagreements with the board. So they've been through this. This is not a new situation for them. I think so far we've heard mostly from the established players, but we haven't kind of heard from the players on the fringes, like mm. Ryan Gravenberg. For example mm-hmm. we haven't heard from uh marcel sabitzer who's now at men united but he was brought in and just kind of dumped to the side so we haven't heard from those guys yet and i'm more curious about what the bench thinks rather than what the first 11 think oh. about Nagelsmann. so
1: i'm sure um <laughs> i'm sure gravenberg uh and the other bench players will look at this like uh an opportunity, no? I um, think so. Yeah.
0: I think so. Fresh start. Time to get on the pitch. Also, like certain decisions by Nagelsmann, like Yosef Stanisic had a blinder against PSG in the second leg. And after that, he basically didn't play until we were in trouble against David Kusen mm. So things like that were kind of just weird. So on the Bayern board, They're kind of still, you know, like when you take a job sometimes and you have three months until like you're a permanent employee or something along the lines. That's how I feel about this board. They've taken (laughs) over from the old guard and their track record is still there with a question mark because when Flick won everything, I believe Rumaniga was still the CEO. So now, you know, there was so much fanfare when Nagelsmann was brought in, there was a whole Amazon documentary. Uh, My dad was throwing me the line yesterday. Oh, look, he looks like a schoolboy. That's how much it says as he pulls in and he sees Nagelsmann. So there was so much fanfare. And now it's almost like Tuchel has to go right. That doesn't necessarily mean win the treble. Byron could get past Man City and lose in the semifinals. And that's okay. As long Uh, as, you know, they win the cup. And- I kinda
1: disagree I kinda disagree. I think like the way the way it was like Nagisman was fired, it was cruel because he still had a chance to win the treble. So I think, and I know it's it's unfair to Tuchel, but I think if he doesn't win the treble, the the board will look like they did a bad decision because we will never know, but technically Nagisman could have won the treble. Um I know that's harsh, but I think, yeah, I I'm very wary of this board. I always thought that the period after Hernes and Rumaniga, which was you know domination in a football sphere that you know most clubs does not see, uh, you know this, yeah, the the longevity of their reign at Bayern, I think, w- will be very tough to replace. Um and sure Salihamadish and Khan has done some good things right. However, I think this week was not a good look. It it was not a good look until Tuchel wins the treble. Then it's like the most smart move of the century. But everything else, you know, I know there's there's no love lost in, in football, but it was a cruel move. Um, so I'm a bit worried of what's what's Bayern's future under this board's gonna look like. Is it gonna be a uh, a bunch of panic decisions that are taken you know, like the one this week quickly and kind of harshly, and will that favor Bayern right. Munich on the pitch um I know that. Bayern Munich has there, there are no I mean drama in Munich has existed for a while as well uh, FC Hollywood is a nickname that's there for a reason and despite the drama Bayern always tends to do great on the pitch so maybe this will be another example of of that um, but I yeah so far I have not been so impressed by, by this board and I think I see how a worrying element going forward, but that's maybe just my pessimist view on it.
0: I mean, I don't think you're wrong, Marcus, but I will remind you that uh, Olijonis fired Yupankis in 1991 and went on to regret that decision for a long time and brought him back so many times after that to just be like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. (laughs) It just kind of happened. So I'm willing to... It listen. It wasn't. It didn't happen the right way. Things like this don't happen at Bayern Munich, where the manager finds out after the whole world has found out. It it doesn't go down like this. At the same time, let's give them this one. They're still very new at the job. I feel for Nagelsmann, but you know, maybe a, the Spurs job will open up soon. <laughs> he'll be there, but and maybe he'll come back in the future again. Who knows? Hinkis came back like I lost count. On this one. <laughs> So you never know with that. And I'm going to probably let this one slide and see what happens with Tuchel. And if things don't go right with Tuchel, I want to see how they react to the situation Mm. and see if they do the same, if they go down the panic route or if they make smart, sensible decisions where you hire Tuchel, stick with him, Until he inevitably loses the dressing room and the board. But until then, stick with him. And that's something we're going to see. So, now that we have talked about Tuchel and Nagelsmann, we know they both inevitably have to look back at the last successful Bayern coach, Hansi Flick, who is now the manager of Germany. And Germany won 2-0 yesterday against Peru scored uh, two goals via Nicholas Fulkrug, who I'm just really enjoying watching. He's just such an old-school striker. It's nice to see those guys. So, Marcus, give us your thoughts. Yes, exactly. So, Marcus, now that um Germany, now that we have an international break and the Euros are about just over a year away, what are your thoughts on how the national team is progressing and where you think they'll end up? moving forward
1: well it's it's hard to this was the first game against peru since the world cup was it yeah yeah it it's it, it's hard to to say from from that one game if whether they have progressed since the world cup since yeah like almost half the team was you know new Uh many notable players uh was rested um but i will say this um I think Germany was unlucky in the World Cup. Um yes, everything did not go to plan. Um of course, some of that ultimately has to be put on Flick. Um but I th- I thought against Japan that was a game that I could not understand how they threw that away. They they played they could have been up four goals in the first half i remember um i thought the game against spain was good uh, i remember sana could have won that game for them in the in the dying minutes and uh, costa rica was a strange game where you watched germany against costa rica with one eye and the other uh, japan against spain with the other eye so I don't. I think it's correct that Flick is not getting completely judged from three games. Three games, which I thought was they played good in, but ultimately they uh, they went out the group stage because of yeah maybe lack of experience against Japan. Um, I think we've seen with Bayern Munich of how good of a coach Flick can be when everything goes in favor of him and. I think ultimately he will have to try and find a way of playing good, solid football and uh, defensive football with the few, you know, talents he has, really. And also, he needs to find a way to play uh, without a proper striker. I know Germany does have full Krug, and I love full Krug, but... I will be the first one to say that I, I recognize his limits as a football player. <laughs> I think he is a fantastic target man, but there's many other better strikers than full crew. Uh, maybe I will get shopped off in the comment section, but um, yes, yeah, so I think it would, that will would be interesting to see, to see if we can find out like, uh, yeah, how to bring out the best in the few defensive options Germany have and how to kind of find a strikerless formation really.
0: You know, Marcus, you keep underestimating Fulkrug like that, and he'll win the Golden Boot at the next World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love old school strikers, so I'm all for him. But also, um, it, it's almost sad that guys like Borna Sosa and Stanisic cannot represent Germany. They would have been eligible to. Germany could do with as many defensive options as needed. But I agree with you. Now that I look back on the World Cup, I remember seeing this insane stat where the team with the highest XG by a country mile in the group stages was Germany Mm. and 20 minutes against Japan is what basically destroyed that campaign. Just 20 minutes of bizarre, just bizarre moments where Germany should have been out of sight by then. So. Overall, over the World Cup, the friendlies that we've watched with Flick, the Nations League games, it seems like the team has made improvements. Whether that's enough to win the Euros or forget win, make a deep run, go into the semifinals maybe, is questionable. But speaking of questionable, Marcus, a team whose attitude has been questioned, whose commitment has been questioned, and who just haven't been able to win the Bundesliga in a long time is Borussia Dortmund and yes. we play them next and uh as we saw Marius Wolf did a wonderful job for the national team and this is a lot down to how he has been playing for Dortmund yep what are your kind of preliminary thoughts on that game with the coaching change at Bayern in mind as well
1: yeah it's um Yes, it's one of the many reasons why I was so puzzled that Nagasman got fired. Tuchel has his first training session with the whole team on Tuesday, is it? And the game is on Saturday. Uh, that's four days that he's in charge before, arguably, well, the most important game in the league so far. Um, so I, I really have no idea what to expect. Will the players? feel rejuvenated with Tuchel and, you know, show off a fantastic game and put a, put Bayern back as uh, league leaders? Or will they, you know, be confused, be sad that, you know, Nagelsmann was fired? I From looking from what Kimmich said, I think Kimmich really liked Nagelsmann and Kimmich is one of the leaders at Bayern Munich. Um, will he be confused? Will uh, Tuchel put him back... Uh, as a right-back against Dortmund, and he will decide not to play. Really, it's a really uh, strange game to predict because I really do not know what will happen. Um, The opposition, Dortmund, under Terzic, is arguably, for me, the most fun team to watch. Uh, They are so incredibly... Yeah, it's so enjoyable watching them because you know it will be a high scoring game uh that's played on both sides of the of the goal right there's not not much midfield play when Dorman plays it's just a back and forth the entire time um they are a team that's they have what nine won nine games through against schalke i think that's it in the bundesliga this year they've been in 2023 they've been really good um Arguably a little bit lucky, but like every team's every team needs a bit bit of luck. Um, I think what Teresic has done well is that he finally seems to have put control over the dormant defense. It's it's not the best defense yet, but it's so much better than it was last year, uh, last season, for example. Um, Talking about also talking about Germany, I think it's great that Schlotterbeck has been so good this year. Uh, I think that will be very important for Flick uh, in the summer of 2024. And yeah, they, we'll, we'll see if uh, Adeyemi is back. Um, we'll see if Brandt will be back against Bayern. But I would not be surprised if Bayern lost that game. I think it's a really A 50-50 based on the turbulence around Munich at the moment. Um, I think if Nagelsmann was still the coach, I would still consider Bayern as favourites. I I still do. I mean, it's in the Allianz Arena. The players will be uh, pumped, obviously. It's a a big game. Um, But it'll be very interesting, I think. Uh, Yeah, I mean, a loss against... A loss against Dortmund, they're four points behind, and then the Bundesliga seems well. Bayern are not favourites to win the Bundesliga if they lose to Dortmund, Uh, and that will be another. I wonder how how Salihamidzic will feel if they lose uh, at the Allianz Arena. Um, It'll be a very very exciting game. I hope. I also hope that this their classic will also put the world on like the world's eyes on Bundesliga because it's been so much gossip and so much high drama off the court now for Bayern uh, that their first game is against Dortmund and a Bundesliga final it's it will be a spectacle both on and off the pitch I think
0: I think so those games are always high capacity and they're just high pressure and tense and so much fun to watch. I would argue, though, that real classic is Bayern Gladbach. That's not as one sided, but <laughs> with with Dortmund, I st- like you said, the defense has improved, and I think it's tremendous credit to Terzic that a defense that plays with Mats Hummels, Emre, Chan, and Schlotterbeck, all capable of just moments of madness in each game, are actually on top of the league, and like you said, the only time they dropped points was to Schalke. And that's almost like a special circumstance. You can put an asterisk there and be like, that game shouldn't be part of any form calendar or anything. Because that's that's the biggest derby in, in the German game. So we yeah. can just put that aside. There's been an argument that Ian and I have made that not everyone agrees with over the season, that the general quality of the Bundesliga has improved. And that is why it's been harder for Bayern to be 15 points clear right now at the end of March. So we've talked about the teams in the Champions League and in the Europa League. We've talked about the Frankfurt's, Um, then further behind Leverkusen, whose league form isn't great, but they're doing well in the cup. Then uh, Dortmund has had more consistency than ever before. Union Berlin's had a very good, consistent season. Leipzig, despite what happened against Man City. Has a pretty good tactician managing them. So they're doing pretty well too. Not that I'm particularly happy about that, but that's besides <laughs> the point. So do you agree with that sentiment, Marcus? Or do you think it's buying slipping up rather than the quality of the league that has led to a more competitive league season?
1: I. I do agree somewhat with that statement. I Well, Germany did have a disastrous round in Europe last time. Bayern and Bayer Leverkusen were the only two teams still left in European competitions. Serie A has three teams left in the Champions League. Um, So yeah, not a great last round for German teams. Um, I think the Bundesliga is still, you know, quality-wise, a better league than Serie A, for example. Um, I just think so many teams in the Bundesliga have a a consistency problem. Um, I think, like, Leverkusen, that you can really see that now, like, with um, Siouan who did great with Leverkusen before the start of this season, they completely almost collapsed and was flirting with relegation under, you know, their first games. Um, now with Xabi Alonso taking over, hopefully that team can see some consistency. Um, but I doubt it. Well, we'll see. Uh, Leipzig is the same, you know. Tedesco won uh, one day, he wins the cup for them, their first major uh silverware. Um, and then, yeah, the start of this season, they were terrible as well. And Marco Rose, he's done decent so far. I think I will, uh, I'm looking forward to see him in his first full season uh, next season for Leipzig, but they did lose seven nil to City, and it's just that that game for me was what well, what it was a sign that Germany is still behind Premier League. You know, it, it was really men against boys. I think that game, um, and then you have Dortmund who's now. Twenty twenty three has been fantastic, but. If they lose one game to, I don't know, Bochum, I can see them you know, losing four out of the next five games. Um, the only consistent team in Germany is Bayern Munich. And I think that's the major problem that we see now in Germany is that talent-wise, I think Germany is really good. It's up there as one of the best leagues in the world in terms of producing talents. Um, consistency-wise, it has a problem.
0: I'm with you, Marcus. I'm reminded of Oliver Glasner from the Frankfurt-Napoli game. And basically, the first half was so shocking in the first leg from Frankfurt that he basically didn't have any words for his team. And then Colomwani ends up getting sent off and the tie is dead as a result. Which brings me to another point about German teams. I think the lack of consistency happens because the squads are small. The money that's floating in the Premier League is just not going to happen in a league that's basically run by fans such as Germany where the 50 plus one is prevalent. So Germany is never going to be able to compete with that monetarily. But I also look at somebody like Union Berlin who don't again have the deepest squad because squad sizes is still small, but transfers wise, Them and Freiburg, they managed to do a good job pretty much every season and keep a consistency about them that sees them rise up the table gradually. Mm. And I wish more teams could do that. But I thought Union Berlin ran out of gas before the World Cup, specifically because of that squad size. And Frankfurt ran out of gas afterwards, also because their squad isn't the biggest. Mm. I agree with you that the teams are still quite behind the Premier League, Bayern aside, because Dortmund may have lost to one of the worst Chelsea sides we've seen compete at this level, which is really, really unfortunate. But just taking us away from door- table topping Dortmund, we're going to talk about table topping Bayern for a little bit. And of course, we're not talking about the men's team, we're talking about the Frauen who won one nil against Wolfsburg yesterday, a late Georgia Stanway penalty, saw them go top of the league. Years ago, Uli Jones didn't have the nicest things to say about the women's team, but recently, Bayern seems to be making more and more strides. And I don't necessarily know if that's down to investment only in the women's team, but there seems to be genuine interest. I was watching yesterday's game. It was being played at the Bayern campus, And Marcus, I wish you could hear the cheer that went off on the grounds when -hmm. the final whistle went. And it sounded like it was the the, uh, 70,000 or so at the Allianz Arena, as opposed to the much smaller Bayern campus ground. Uh, What do you think of the Frowns' progress? They beat Arsenal 1-0 in the Champions League, which is always very special to do. Mm. Of course, the second leg is still to be played. But progress-wise, how do you think the Frauen have come along. And what do you think overall progress-wise that women's football has made over the last five, six years?
1: Yeah, I think I can, you know, speak to the overall more than the actual Frauen's. Um, I, I do not watch as many games as I watch uh, for the Frauen's. Uh, There's o- only so much uh, time I have. Um, but I think the progress that women's football has done in the last... Yeah, five, six years. I think it's great. I remember it was the Euros in France uh, where they were able to sell out full seats uh, to watch uh, women's football. Um, and I've seen, you know, Barcelona, Real Madrid having uh, female teams being able to sell out the, the Camp Nou or the Santiago Bernabeu, but huge stadiums, right? Um, and I think I'm just, you know, all for that. I think the more spotlights we put on the female games uh, the more you know young girls will be inspired to play football and i think just the more like for example fifa now having you can play with the the girls teams that was decided 5 6 years ago maybe as well but small things like that i think has long term uh, benefits and you know it might seem small now but small stuff brings you know long-term benefits I think that's great the 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 one thing I fi- feel it's a bit of a shame with the female football game is that now we have teams like Bayern Munich Real Madrid and Barcelona who are dominated both the man and the female space because uh, I remember in Sweden w- when I grew up Female football in Sweden has always been, you know, uh, quite popular, I would say, uh, compared to to other nations. And there was this one team from the very, very north of Sweden, from like a town of 50,000, uh, that won the Champions League for a female. And like stories like that, if you read my articles so or you listen to the podcast, you know I'm a romanticist in football. I I'm not a huge fan of the... The hyper capitalist uh, way football is moving, uh, and yeah, uh, the small team from from northern Sweden winning the Champions League is such a cool story, you know. And now that with money coming into the to female game, that will not happen again. Um, so that's a bit of a shame. But I think all in all, you know, putting spotlights on the female game just has long term benefits for you know society and. So I'm I'm all for it.
0: Agreed, Marcus. I remember seeing the sellout crowd at Wembley for Germany versus England in the Euros, and it was incredible to me. And also, when Bayern played PSG, Bayern played PSG so much that all these games kind of warp into one in my head. But yeah. it was either last season or two seasons ago. Bayern played um. So they used the men's stadiums for the Champions League quarterfinal that they played. Bayern lost the tie overall, but there were two very high-quality games. And a lot of people came to see them at the Allianz Arena. And it was just so much credit to the team that the supporters are coming. It is the supporters who keep the teams running at the end of the day, especially in Germany. So
2: yeah, yeah.
0: that was incredible. But speaking of... um. Hierarchies and women foot in the women's game, it's not always been Bayern who's done well in um in the Frauen Bundesliga. It's been Wolfsburg and Turbine Potsdam. Frankfurt yeah. have done well too. But yeah. all I heard was Turbine Potsdam when I started like uh looking into the women's Bir- game.
1: Birgit Prince was for Potsdam, wasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. She used to play for Potsdam and then Wolfsburg yeah. with Alex Pop leading the line. So yeah 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 yeah
1: they, uh, they've
0: done you know um. yeah
1: that's like the worry is that like if the women's game becomes like the same as the men's that only the richest clubs become the best that's the only shame I have when you know we talk about the progression of female football but I mean it's just one small uh, con right in in a lot of pros um one major pro is me being Swedish uh our man team or male team is just so bad at the moment, we lost to belgium at home with 3-0 no. yeah. uh and and our females are actually great they came to the semi final uh last euros so that's uh, also a massive pro that we can we can forget about the you know the male uh, failure of our national team and actually see the function of a real national team when, whenever the swedish females play <laughs>
0: man uh you guys need to do something about Zlatan and constantly calling him back up
1: he's forty one I mean it's time to I think maybe it's time for him to put the shoes on the not not to play football anymore, but yeah, yeah, the
2: yeah.
1: the male Swedish male football team, that's another story. I have,
2: <laughs> I have two
1: more hours if I should talk about that but for maybe for another podcast.
0: <laughs> I agree, speaking of which this has been great, Marcus. It's great yeah. having you. Absolutely. Uh, before we wrap up, do you have any final thoughts on the Bundesliga, on the Frauen, the national team, anything really?
1: Anything, my final thoughts. Um yeah, I think just uh going back to what we talk about uh, Nagelsmann and Tuchel, um I do I do think it's an exciting time also to be a Bayern fan uh, when this drama happens around the club. That's when um you know, it generates discussion. It generates, you know, uh, interest. Um, but I will just say that I uh, I am one of those uh, p- people that think that if Tuchel doesn't win the treble, we should we should look at the uh, board with our pitchforks. You know, <laughs> that's my final thoughts of of today.
0: <laughs> well, inevitably, when things turn into dumpster fire at the end of the season our viewers and listeners should expect an article from Marcus oh, yes. about how he Absolutely. feels about the board. Yeah. yeah.
1: Bring bring back Yogi Love. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> make, make him the new Bayern
2: coach.
0: <laughs> Marcus is still on that train. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So as always, be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Works for all of your up-to-date coverage in Bayern Munich and Germany. Follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works, at The Barrel Blog at TommyAdams71 at BFWN and more. Marcus, can people find you on social media? Uh,
1: Yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter. Uh, it's uh, Iridahl, which is my last name. I-R-E-D-A-H-L and then Marcus. Um, I have 71 followers, so I don't post too much, but if I see something funny, I'll give it a retweet and maybe you will find that funny too.
0: Alright, so everyone, Marcus needs more followers, so give him a follow if you can. Yes, please, please. <laughs> well, That's it from us, from Marcus and Samrin. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your day.